Hello and welcome to Zero Net 50. I'm Jennifer Deloney and with me is Joel Strandberg. How are you doing down in your very hot part of the world? Uh, hot, Jennifer. It's, yes. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and the hot air blowing um, off of Congress in the White House into Virginia oh, doesn't help the situation. Any. <laughs> Absolutely. I can only imagine. Well, no, uh, no you can't yeah. actually. <laughs> no. <laughs> so we are. Um, going to take a look today at a topic that um, that like many things that we cover on this podcast is a bit of a rabbit hole but today we're going to try and refrain from getting out of hand and keep it kind of short um, but uh, I just saw that REN21 recently released its Renewables 2020 Global Status Report uh, and you know it's fairly bland report overall REN21 is basically a think tank for global renewable uh, energy companies and scientists and academia. So, you know, it can get a little dry, but the report specifically this time called for what they uh, said was a, quote, total fossil fuel lockdown, which means we've made progress in the power sectors and it's good progress, but we need to make progress across sectors and we need to think heating, cooling and transportation. And it's that last one, the transportation, that I think that we want to focus on today. Because it's essentially, you know, something that is really heating up in, in, in the public's eye, but it's the most dire of the renewables penetrations at only 5%. And so that, it's a disconnect there. So something has to change. But when we look at the clean transport sector, we have to break it down into two sections. We've got biofuels, which I know you know lots about, but I think it's the EVs that we really want to talk to because that's the second part. There's biofuels and then there's the electric vehicle sector. Um, and if we look at the EV solution, it also has a two-prong issue. It, first of all, must transition individuals to vehicles that can use clean power, right? So there's that. And then also the infrastructure itself that delivers the power to the EVs must be delivering renewable energy. So you know, we have to ask ourselves, if we're not addressing both issues, what's, you know, what's the point? And we've made pretty good progress globally in greening our power systems. So even if EVs are powered by an electricity system that still has some fossil fuels in it, uh, those EVs are going to be greener than driving an internal combustion engine. Uh, and that's true for most of the world, but we can think about some spots like, for example, Poland, where they still have not uh, gotten out of a fairly fossil-y situation. Uh, but studies show that in countries where it's a fairly green uh, power system, the average lifetime emissions of electric cars are as much as 70% lower than internal combustion vehicles. So that's good progress. But in our podcast, we like to follow the policy to find where progress is actually being made. Uh, and in this case, in the report from REN21, they said that the bulk of policies focused on road transport are really directed at increasing the use of biofuels. So we also need to see an uptick in policies that are directed at EVs. But um, the report also notes, and what I think is really interesting, is that the policies that are, those any in uptick of po those policies for EV don't really have a direct link to renewable electricity or 
greening the power system at the same time we are supporting this EV in infrastructure. And um, it, we, in general, we're looking at, you know, that disconnect there, but also most of the policies are directed at um, light vehicles, you know, things that are, you know, used by your community um, government, those kinds of things, or buses and things like that, not as much focused beyond, you know, some incentives for EV purchases for the regular homeowner. So it's a, it's an interesting, you know, place to look at where we're at really for the electric vehicle industry in general. And, you know, I know you have some, you know, some to say about that and I certainly welcome your insights. Um, thanks, Jennifer. Uh, you know, I have something to say about most things. Um, <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Not always right, but I do have something to say. Um, I mean, what's happening now is that you know transportation is is now the biggest sector. I mean, it's it's the it's the biggest user of energy, and yeah. as you had mentioned, I mean, buildings are um, uh, the building the building sector is uh, is <clears throat> is now second as far as um, where the electricity from power plants goes. And there's a you know there's this this perpetual problem of the technology for electric vehicles is there. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm somewhat surprised. In fact, I'm very surprised that um, the auto companies, uh, I mean, are just, are they're, they're, uh, they are set. They've set their sights on uh, pretty much an all electric vehicle fleet um, mm -hmm. within the next number, you know, within the next five to 10 years. Um, the Biden campaign, for example, um, and the environmental community um, have set their sights on zero emissions by 2035 in the transportation sector. Right. But as you also mentioned, I mean, it's a very tough sector. I mean, at the one level you have um, uh, airplanes and ships and massive users of, um, yep. of fossil fuels, and that's not gonna be settled um, for a while. And so I think that part of the emphasis um, naturally falls to the electric vehicles um, in the sense of you know, cars and light trucks uh, and, and even long, long haul trucks. I mean, the, they're, yeah. they're being talked in that now by companies like uh, Fisker and Tesla um, and new uh, uh, Nikola is, is the new kind of player on the block. Um, Japan is now coming out with a, a new electric vehicle. Um, China has been working on theirs. It's interesting. The, the stock prices on some of these companies. Now, Tesla at least produces something. Um, right. uh, Fisker, for example, and Nikola don't have a vehicle out there I mean, and not likely to have one um, before 2022, which is about the same time that, that Ford and Chevy and everybody else are talking about it. And their mm -hmm. stock prices are through the are through the roof. I mean, wow. people are paying 60 and 70 dollars a share for a company yeah. that doesn't produce anything. And you have no idea whether it will. Yeah. The problem, of course, is always the price. I mean, electric the price point on electric vehicles is high. Um, yeah. the, the, the tax has been helpful, um, mm -hmm. but it is now scheduled to be um, geared down. Something may change if the, uh, if the elections in November change the administration, um, but you still have the problem of infrastructure. And what's happening now, I mean, this is where the pandemic um, and, and the, the, the economic downturn is really throwing a crimp into things. Uh, for example, New York just canceled a $3 billion green bond. Um, right. which would be, which would go to pay for the infrastructure. Um, states are beginning to pass laws 
um, that would put infrastructure in place, but because of the pandemic, they don't have the money to do this anymore. And it's one of yeah. the things that's keeping the, uh, this, this next stimulus package in so much turmoil is that the Democrats want to give states um, money, the money that, you know, to make up for some of the funds that they've lost because of the uh, pandemic, both in mm-hmm. paying for emergency and, and dealing with um, having to deal with health issues and what have you, uh, lost tax revenues. The Republicans aren't moving on this at the moment at all. Where this ends up is anybody's, is anybody's guess. I think that there'll be, at some point, there may be some compromise, but, you know, good politicians wouldn't have walked out of Washington um, while the $600 uh, extension of unemployment uh, insurance lapsed so that people can't pay the rents anymore, and including not doing anything about uh, rent evictions. And uh, this is this is just kind of an unheard of in the sense that, that um, the parties can't get together to do something that's clearly in everybody's interest to do, even on a short-term basis. And I think what, what we're seeing here is, is this kind of crushing conflict between the partisans um, that, in fact, are going to have a bad impact on on the electric vehicle uh, market. The other thing that happens is that in the, in the course of the pandemic, um, metro systems that you know that have been being that had been built out and over the last number of years are just hugely in debt. I mean, um, mm-hmm. the Washington metro system, for example, is two billion dollars into the hole. Um, the other thing that's going to happen in this case is that people do not want to be packed in to a metro car, uh, whether it's the subways or, the, or or buses, and so we're going to see this kind of increase in traffic again. And I think that yeah. that may help the Demand for electric vehicles may help the demand um, right. if the price of stuff come down. It's going to be, it's going to have a negative, really negative impact as far as the larger transportation sector is concerned because the metro systems are not going to upgrade their equipment to uh, to electric or hydrogen uh, fuel cells, which is the other thing that is mm-hmm. kind of coming up these days. Um, and the other, again, and the other problem too that happens is that although things are better in the electric. Um, generating sector. The fact of the matter is that the the impact of demand from electric vehicles on the grid is going to keep some of the uh, some of the coal plants operating just because of the economics these days, but also the natural gas plants. And I think mm-hmm. that that's the other thing when we talk about um, electric vehicles and decarbonization, natural gas may be, you know has been talked about for years as a bridge. But the problem is that it's it's an expensive bridge, number one. And number yeah. two, it's still a fossil fuel. And so if if these other um, things aren't in motion, then natural gas stays on the uh, uh, online longer. And again, we slow down the, the decarbonization process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for really for a, a long time and time that we, we don't have. You know, it's interesting you're talking about um, the you know the light duties and and those medium duty vehicles well right here in my backyard vermont joined 15 other states and washington dc um, in an agreement that medium and light duty vehicles will be electrified by 2050 and so you know there's that little sort of a long-term outlook but you know it's at least it's a step but it didn't come along with any direct policies. And certainly I, I'm not entirely sure how long it would take them to put policies on, you know, on the books that would put that 
forward. Well, actually, you raise a really interesting point there, and and the point is, uh, it, it's kind of double fold, if you will. The the first point is that the East Coast you know, states have been doing the Atlantic Coast states are kind of joining into into a, um, uh, some kind of a commune as far as setting the uh, standard for electric vehicle, um, the electrification of vehicles. The, one of the problems is that that's going to get hit by a lawsuit um, because it could conceivably impact interstate commerce. And so what's going to happen is that there are going to be fuel, there are going to be fossil fuel interest oil companies come to mind immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They say, hey, this you can't do this because um, states don't have the right to regulate interstate commerce. And so what this does is it shows you that uh, the perfect area where federal policy is absolutely needed. Uh, you've heard me rant and rave for a couple of years now about the fact that the private sector cannot do this on its own and that mm-hmm. there are certain things that the government has to step in on. Interstate yeah. commerce is one of them. And so if there was a national standard, there's a national infrastructure, then you would it, this would work out fine. These kind of, this kind of balkanization of the markets, not only is it not economic, it's from a market development point of view, but it does, in fact, potentially run afoul um, of, of the Constitution, um, which means that more things are going to get dragged into court and the delays after delays after delays. And I think that this is the thing that we have to continually keep in mind is how time is of the essence. I know that's, that's yeah. used a lot, but it's absolutely true. And every time you have these kind of disconnects, you know, you don't have an infrastructure, but you have the technology. Um, mm-hmm. You have states that want to do this, but you have other states that don't. Then what happens is you get dragged out year, two, three, four, five years. And, you know, this happened early on in the, in the cellular market where the technologies were at a time for a time were way out ahead of the ability of the grid to accept them. Um, yeah. And so you get these long delays and, you know, something delayed 20 years ago was one thing something that's being delayed now while we're actively encountering the impacts of climate change mm-hmm. is another. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you also brought up a really important part about the EV market costs. I mean, uh, I don't own an electric vehicle and you know, I, I make a, a good living. I have a two person income in my household and we still run up against, we, we can't afford to buy an electric vehicle. I mean, I looked at costs and even with the state incentives, which is like, you know, $2,500 or something like that, the the cost is still around $30,000 for just, you know, the base model. You're not talking about any bells and whistles. And, and that's not even for something that I feel comfortable driving in a Vermont snowstorm. So, you know, in order to winterfy and get a vehicle that really is suitable to this climate, I would have to pay much more than that. And I find it incredibly frustrating. And, and, and we're just talking about someone who doesn't qualify in terms of po- poverty. And we have that whole conversation to have about people who there's no way they would be able to afford an electric vehicle. And then well, the other uh, thing, you know, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying, I mean, you're absolutely right there, that the, I mean, the, 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 ine- the inequity of, of, of this technology at the moment, and it really depends, I think, on um, where batteries end up going, because the batteries yeah. um, are still the biggest, the biggest problem in all of this. The, the ones that go for, you know, 300 miles 
are a lot more expensive than the ones that go for 100 miles. And you don't want to have a 100-mile electric vehicle in Vermont. No, no, not at all. There's too too much land in between uh, important spots to have to get right. to. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing that drives me a little bit crazy is the, I mean, I've only ever purchased used cars and there's no way at this point that I would be comfortable purchasing a used electric vehicle because the technology itself is not far enough along to be a, a trustworthy used car in my mind. I mean, you talk about Subarus, they, you know, their internal combustion cars that they, they last for 25 years and you ha- you can set a clock by that. But that's not something that anybody has faith in in terms of EV technology. So that whole sub-market of reselling the EVs is not trustworthy where, you know, we could begin to see some progress. Um, and I mean, I'll just say, I know somebody who has a, a Chevy Volt, which is um, both electric and gas, and the electric portion of it doesn't work. So oh. this person drives it around on gasoline, but looks like they're doing a good thing for the environment. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, uh, uh, image is everything in Washington, so I can't say that would make any difference, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, where does this, you know, all of this ranting bring us? It, you know, it's hard for, for me to, you know, come to a point where I feel like we are in, in a forward moving progress. I see people driving around in their Teslas. I see that there, there is a certain portion of our um, communities that can afford to do that, but it's really tiny and I don't see that that's progress. Well, uh, you're right there. I mean, it's certainly it's certainly not the progress that we need. I think that um, the, the, there is progress being made, and that how it I mean, how it speeds up is going to depend on a lot of things. For example, the cost of the technology, um, government policies, uh, you know, whether or not the infrastructure gets built. But it is happening, and so mm-hmm. I think that that there is confidence there. The, again, the issue is is it happening fast enough? And are enough people being brought into it um, that it really kind of supports the the nation and democracy in the way that uh, that it should? I mean, that environmental justice uh, remains an important issue, and um, perhaps it's most obvious the, the need for it is most obvious in the vehicle sector. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you also mentioned other parts of transport like for example airplanes you know the whole airline industry that it was what i mean i'd say five years ago that they started dabbling in alternative fuels but and i haven't looked lately to see how they're coming along but that's a sector that's going to be slow slow moving and also has a really large impact on the transportation bottom line well, that, that's right. And again, you've got the pandemic problems there where airlines are, I mean, airlines are barely able to stay afloat, let alone invest right. in the new technologies that, uh, <laughs> um, right. I mean, I think a lot of this will be left to the defense department. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right. Well, I think that was a really nice uh, quick dive into a topic that um, we can continue going on and on about. Um, but I will just say that uh, anybody who's interested should go to uh, the REN21 report and take a look at some of the other issues that they are covering there. Um, but I, that's about all I have for today. And I'm done for the day as well. All right. Okay. Well, um, we certainly have primaries around the corner and of course we will be watching that. So we'll hopefully have some interesting things to say in a couple of weeks about that, but um, we have other things to touch on before then. So everyone can keep an eye on that. And thank you so much to our listeners for joining us. You can tweet questions or comments to hashtag zero net 50 and have a great day.